morning. Good morning. Today is Saturday, March 6, 2021, and this is Join the Discourse, episode 25. My name is Jaden Duenas. Uh, again, this is my show, Join the Discourse. I'm officially moving to this new time now, one new episode each week, every single Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Time. And if you want to find more about that, other episodes that I've done, other artistic things that I'm working on, that's all at jd-originals.com. So you should go check that out. I got the link in my bio and you can see it in the overlay right here, jd-originals.com. Um, but this week we're going to be talking about Stokely Carmichael and his speech, Black Power, 1990s, or 1966, sorry, not 1996. Uh, so Stokely Carmichael, he is now currently known, um, and I guess known in the latter part of his life because he's now deceased, uh, known as Kwame Torre. He was born in Trinidad. He grew up in the Bronx in New York. He is a pan-African activist and organizer and a prominent figure in the civil rights movement and one of the original freedom fighters of the 1961, um, 1961 Freedom Rider Revolt with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. He also led the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, or the SNCC, uh, and he eventually went on to be the honorary prime minister of the Black Panther Party uh, and led the All-African People's Revolutionary Party as well. So he's a very accomplished um, political activist movement figure. But he was not an uncontroversial figure by any means uh, due to some expressed views on women, Hitler and Judaism, uh, which is never a good combination, I guess. But what he would tell you is that he is an anti-Semitic or rather that he is anti-Israeli state. So do what you will with that. But ultimately, he emphasized black power with like Malcolm X. Uh, and the FBI actually then targeted him through the Cointel Pro counterintelligence program, like they did Malcolm X. Uh, and that was the program that was used by the FBI for suppression and social control over different American political organizations and movements like the feminist movement, um, the U.S. Communist Party, the anti-war movement, the civil rights movement. So picture all the different civil rights heroes that were assassinated. Um, think of MLK, Fred Hampton, Malcolm X, among others, of course. Um, that same program targeted Kwame Torre and it was because Kwame Torre was secretly identified as the possibly the next black messiah at following Malcolm X's assassination. So they believed that he could possibly give hope to black people and lead this revolutionary movement against uh, fascist United States government. Um, and so it's kind of like the new Fred Hampton film, Judas and the Black Messiah, exact same concept. They targeted Fred Hampton and killed Fred Hampton through the same exact Cointel Pro program. Um, and they ultimately killed him to prevent a further successful revolution. And so while under threat in 1968, he moved to Ghana, Kwame Torre moved to Ghana first, and then finally to Guinea in 1969. It was both African countries. Um, and he took on the name Kwame Torre. And at this point, he began an international campaign for revolutionary socialist pan-Africanism. Uh, and just to put that in context, 1969, that's the same year that Fred Hampton was assassinated. So just for some timeline, I guess. But uh, he lived his life then in Africa, giving speeches and also coming to America at points to speak at different universities, giving speeches and leading the All African People's Revolutionary Party. And this was all until his untimely death in 1998, uh, which was due to prostate cancer. So that's just some context of his life as a revolutionary. Um, and now let's start reading this revolutionary speech. So the speech is called Black Power. It was spoken in 1966 for the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, SNCC. Um, and that's a similar or same committee that was involved in a lot of MLK's movement and different aspects of the civil rights movement back in the 50s and 60s. But he was spoken for the SNCC and it was two years before he moved to Africa. So let's get into this. So. The philosophers Camus and Sartre raised the question whether or not a man can condemn himself. The black existentialist philosopher who is pragmatic, France Fanon, answered the question. 
he said that man could not. We in SNCC tend to agree with Camus and Sartre that a man cannot condemn himself. Were he to condemn himself, he would then have to enact punishment upon himself. An example would be the Nazis. Any prisoner or any of the Nazi prisoners who admit this part gets a little jumbled. I think the translation might be off. Um, but any prisoner of any of the Nazi prisoners who admitted after he was caught and incarcerated that he committed crimes, that he killed all the many people that he killed, he committed suicide. Basically, um, former Nazi soldiers commit suicide. The only ones who were able to stay alive were the ones who never admitted that they committed a crime against people. That is the ones who rationalized that Jews were not human beings and deserved to be killed or that they were only following orders. So he proposes this question, can a man condemn himself? Uh, and if a man commits a bad act, can he call himself out and truly say he's wrong? And not only that, can he also, he or they, she punish themselves? Um, and the answer that Kwame Torre, Stokely Carmichael accepts is no. And he gives the example of Nazi soldiers. He says that every Nazi soldier either killed himself or rationalized their actions somehow. Either they were only following orders or that Jews were not human beings. Um, so from that view, no, they were unable to tell themselves that they were wrong. And they would rather take their own life or find an excuse. But ultimately, they could not come to terms with their actions and they could not condemn themselves. So he goes on. In a much larger view, the SNCC says that white America cannot condemn herself. And since we are liberal, we've done it. You stand condemned. Now a number of things that arises from that answer of how do you condemn yourselves? Seems to me that the institutions that, that function in this country are clearly racist and that they're built upon racism. And the question then is how can black people inside of this country move? And then how can white people who say they're not a part of those institutions begin to move? And how then do we begin to clear away the obstacles that we have in the society that make us live like human beings? How can we begin to build institutions that will allow people to relate with each other as human beings? This country has never done that, especially around the country of white or black. So basically, even though we can logically say that no person can condemn themselves, white America has done it anyway. That's essentially what he's saying. Liberal white America has done it anyway. America makes the spectacle of recognizing past wrongs, celebrating holidays and 28 whole days of Black History Month. Uh, and they teach about these historical wrongs in classrooms and they, we feel that we've condemned ourselves. We, I'm not really counting myself as part of that, but, but the, America has condemned itself. But at the same time, it's true that America cannot condemn itself. And we know this because the nation still continues to operate upon the same foundation that's built upon racism. So literally an economy and the physical infrastructure, the highway, not the highways, but the bridges and the streets that were paved, the physical infrastructure built upon free slave labor and free market capitalism. Uh, so Kwame Torre, Stokely Carmichael asks, how do we respond to this reality? And asks this really important and poignant question here. How can we begin to build institutions that will allow people to relate with each other as human beings? And so this is in contrast to the American institutions that Stokely Carmichael believes are predicated upon racism and division. He says that America has never adequately changed uh, to build unifying institutions out of the formerly racist institutions. They're just still the same exact institutions. And so real quick, I want to ask you guys, how do you think we can build those sorts of unifying institutions that Stokely Carmichael is discussing here? So if you have any ideas, leave a comment or let me know or something. I'd love to share just some cool revolutionary ideas for the world. Right now, I'm going to get back into this, but uh, this is another short passage from this speech. Let's hear it out. So uh, now then, in order to understand white supremacy, we must dismiss the fallacious notion that white people can give anybody their freedom. 
No man can give anybody his freedom. A man is born free. You may enslave a man after he is born free, and that is in fact what this country does. It enslaves black people after they're born, so that the only acts that white people can do is to stop denying black people their freedom. That is, they must stop denying freedom. They never give it to anyone. Now we want to take that to its logical extension so that we could understand then what its relevancy would be in terms of new civil rights bills. I maintain that every civil rights bill in this country is passed for white people, not for black people. For example, I am black. I know that. I also know that while I am black, I am a human being, and therefore I have the right to go into any public place. White people didn't know that. Every time I tried to go into a, pu into a place, they stopped me. So some boys had to write a bill to tell that white man, he's a human being, don't stop him. That bill was for that white man, not for me. I knew it all the time. I knew it all the time. I knew that I could vote and that that wasn't a privilege. It was my right. Every time I tried, I was shot, killed, or jailed, beaten, or economically deprived. So somebody had to write a bill for white people to tell them when a black man comes to vote, don't bother him. That bill, again, was for white people, not for black people. So that when you talk about open occupancy, I know I can live any place I want to live. It is white people across this country who are incapable of allowing me to live where I want to live. You need a civil rights bill, not me. I know I can live where I want to live. So that the failures to, pa to pass the civil rights bill isn't because of black power, isn't because of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. It's not because of the rebellions that are occurring in the major cities. It is the incapability of whites to deal with their own problems inside their own communities. That is the problem of the failure of the civil rights bill. And so part of his point here is that racism and anti-blackness and, you know, the racist actions like he's discussing, like preventing black people from living where they want to live and preventing black people from voting. All of that is not the fault of black people. And I'd like to echo that. And I'd also like to compare it to this other thing that I heard this week. And so this week I got this YouTube comment. It was from someone called Mr. Guest. Now, Mr. Guest, he had Pepe the Frog as his profile picture so, or their profile picture. So, you know. Um, but Mr. Guest was really getting into this one-sided conversation he was having with himself. Uh, he basically said that is the fault of black people for not dealing with problems in their community and for taking so much money from the government. Now, personally, I let this fool argue with himself. Uh, I'm not going to entertain that nonsense, obviously. But that is actually a very popular belief uh, and that, that issues in the black community or at least the issues that are made up in this conjecture, kind of like whitewashed imagination are one due to problems with the culture of black people. That's one thing that he said, something wrong with them, their culture. Uh, and two, it is the fault of black people that these issues are not fixed. Now, I'm saying that's a popularly, those are popularly held be uh, beliefs, right? What Kwame Torre does, or Stokely Carmichael, back in 1966, he flipped that ideology on his head. He says, nah, there's no justification for racism. We are born free, and it is not the fault of an enslaved person that someone has taken their innate freedom and put them in chains. He says it very clearly. It is the incapability of whites to deal with their own problems inside their own communities. That is the problem of the failure of the Civil Rights Bill. I'm going to give an example. I'm not going to use Mr. Guest's imagined problems with black culture. Let's take a real issue that is faced by the black community, which is intercommunity violence, all right? That problem is not ignored by anyone. There are black organizers working together against that issue. There are many organizations and different projects working to provide opportunities for people at risk of becoming involved in violent crime. Um, the list goes on. All the people and projects working on ending the systemic issues that bring someone to kill another human being in cold blood. So in this example here that I'm giving about intercommunity violence, who's committed the true sin? 
because within the black community, the way I see it, the, the true sin wasn't committed by the black kid who did what they had to do to survive, right? The sin wasn't committed by the community organizer who was working to put on after school programs to keep kids involved in their communities and out of the streets and away from violence. The sin here was committed by the racist institutions that subjugate people to, to intercommunity violence. Like, so now when we flip the question on his head, like Kwame Torre, if we say, is the fault of white people that they don't deal with racism in their own communities? Let's analyze that now. Who committed the sin there? It's still that racist white person. I understand there's a difference between not, not everyone is the same, but it's, it's the, the people that Kwame Torre, Sokwe Carmichael is discussing. It's the people who are ignorant and who are at fault for their ignorance. And so Kwame Torre does a wonderful job presenting this point. He helps us realize the deep analysis that needs to be done when discussing systemic issues like this. And the deep analysis that brings us to understand that in this racial system, it is a sin of willful ignorance that is committed. And it's an ignorance that perpetuates genocide. So part of Kwame Torre's point here is that it is the fault of white people that engage in that ignorance, which perpetuates genocide. Meanwhile, they debated that ignorance and its repercussions as politics using bills, civil rights bills like he was discussing. Uh, and other things of that matter, um, because for them, it is politics. But we have to remember that for us, it's not politics. It's real life. It's visceral. And so I would agree. It's not just the fault of ignorance. It's also this politicization of just basic human rights and a right to live and breathe and be free. Um, and this that politicization has historically killed and exploited and will continue to kill and exploit black and non-white people, especially those in the poor and working classes. And so I've got one more excerpt I'm going to read for you. I'm just going to dive right into it as soon as I get this up. Now, when the missionaries came to civilize us because we were uncivilized, educate us because we were uneducated, and give us some, some literate studies because we were illiterate, they charged a price. The missionaries came with the Bible, and we had the land. When they left, they had the land, and we still have the Bible. And that has been the rationalization for Western civilization as it moves across the world and stealing and plundering and raping everybody in its path. Their one rationalization is that the rest of the world is uncivilized and they are in fact civilized. And they are uncivilized. And that runs on today, you see, because what we have today is we have what we call modern day Peace Corps missionaries. And they come into our ghettos and they head start upward lift, bootstrap and upward bound us into white society because they don't want to face the real problem, which is a man is poor for one reason and one reason only, because he does not have money, period. If you want to get rid of poverty, you give people money, period. And you ought not to tell me about the people who don't work, and you can't give people money without working, because if that were true, you'd have to start stopping Rockefeller, Bobby Kennedy, Lyndon Baines Johnson, Lady Bird Johnson, the whole of Standard Oil, the Gulf Corps, all of them, including probably a large number of the board of trustees of this university. So the question then clearly is not whether or not one can work, it's who has power. Who has power to make his or her acts legitimate? That is all. And that this country, that power is investigated in the hands of white people and they make their acts legitimate. It is now therefore for black people to make our acts legitimate. And so this strong focus that he holds of this excerpt is this conception of civilized versus uncivilized life and how that was used in the past by Christian European missionaries and today now by humanitarians and organizations like the Peace Corps. And so I just want to add this briefly for Carmichael in 1966. Um, our conceptions of civilized versus uncivilized and modern versus traditional or things called primitive or at times 
what have been called savage, things like that, our conceptions of that is very political. And what I mean by that is that when someone calls an African people group uncivilized or something like that, primitive, there's a political reason that they think that. Those people are just fine living on their own, you know? They, they have nothing to do with us and our conceptions of civilization. They are perfectly capable and living beautifully. Um, but there's a political reason that that person thinks that that people group is uncivilized. There's a political reason that they think that some political figure with power originally had a vested interest in producing that image of Africa in this way. And so when we consider the history of colonization and Europeans calling non-Europeans uncivilized and sending their Christian missionaries, think about this. What did European Christians have to gain by painting them as uncivilized? And how are these power dynamics and depictions reflected today? Like we know that black people are still depicted as very violent in the media and um, just in a very open public discourse are depicted as violent. Um, and so um, who benefits from those violent depictions of the black community? You know, and who has the political power to illustrate these depictions according to their vested interest? Who benefits then and now from assimilation and gentrification? Who has benefited and how do they participate in these institutions and these tools of genocide? Uh, and who has the power to act in these ways? And as Kwame Torre asks, who has power to make his or her acts legitimate? And now in our effort to build unifying institutions and tear down the divisive forces of capitalism, how do we legitimate the actions of black people finally? And so these are some important things to think about this week. Again, this is Join the Discourse. If you have anything to add or any questions for me, please do not hesitate to join the conversation with me. Leave a comment, leave, send me a DM. Uh, you can tweet at me, Jaden Duenas underscore, or you can email me at jaden at jd-originals.com. Uh, remember, you can always listen back on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can always play back on Twitter and you'll be able to see some other live stream art videos that I do where you'll be able to catch them live if you want. Um, those are always on my Twitter or you can watch on YouTube as well, always. And I've got past episodes, different art videos that I've been doing through the years, uh, just different projects I've worked on and just different live stream events when I'm premiering new artwork. All of that and all the links to that are available at jd-originals.com. Again, the link is in my bio. Just head right there. Uh, other than that, I'm going to see you next time. Please tune back in next Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Time for a new conversation. I hope you join the discourse then. And thank you for watching.